0: I'm going
1: to Animate Gender. I'm your host, Elijah Forbes. Thanks for tuning in to our first episode during this weird, weird time. I'll have a chance to do my formal introduction a little later, but I thought we'd better get to know each other first. I am a two-spirit transgender man living in Michigan, and I am Waganaka Singodawa. I'm so happy you're all joining me on this wild journey as we talk with Indigenous and non-Indigenous people across all borders discussing art beyond binaries. Today I'll be speaking with Kai Minosh Pyle, an amazing two-spirit academic, with a love for our kin across space and time. Sounds pretty good, right? Well, let's get into it. i Elijah Dijnikaz, and Ndodim. I use he, him pronouns. And today I am hearing one of my good friends, Kai, about a zine project they're doing. You want to go ahead and introduce yourself?
0: Sure. Um, my name is Kai, Kai Pyle. Um I use they, them pronouns. Um, I'm Megize Eagle Clan from, um, I grew up in Green Bay, Wisconsin, but uh, I live in Minneapolis and my family is from Sault Ste. Marie and Winnipeg originally.
1: All right. And I know that we ended up um, starting to talk a lot, mostly over the internet uh, due to your academic background. Did you want to talk about that a little bit?
0: Sure. So um, right now, I am um, a PhD student in American Studies at the University of Minnesota. It, and um, I'm in American Studies, but um, it's really a cover so I can do secret indigenous <laughs> studies.
1: Right, right. We just have, we have to use the word sometimes. We, it doesn't mean we believe in it.
0: Right. <laughs> so I'm working on my dissertation um, and... Um, As part of the dissertation, I am uh, basically editing, attempting to edit a zine slash anthology of Anishinaabe Two-Spirit writing and art. So that's uh, kind of what I'm working on.
1: That's really cool. And I know we talked about that a little bit. Um, So, and just to kind of give other people a idea of what we talk about when we say two-spirit because I know what it means to me and probably what it means to you but what would you describe that is for anyone who has heard that for the first time?
0: For sure so when I use the word two-spirit I am using it in kind of in uh I guess an umbrella term way of referring to anyone who is indigenous to North America and who. Um, doesn't identify with sort of the colonially defined boundaries of gender and sexuality in its binary sort of um, cisgender straight heterosexuality definition. Um, So in practice, a lot of people also who identify as two-spirit also identify as like some variety of LGBTQ um, and native. So that's how I use the word two-spirit.
1: Yeah, I do that all pretty much the same way. And I remember um, coming across something that you I think only just a couple of days ago talking about instead of seeing uh, gender in the way that I had to describe it to my parents where it was like, Well, I'm non-binary, so that means there's a dot here for male, and there's a dot here for female, and I'm, like, in the middle somewhere. And I remember uh, when I first explained it to my mom, I was like, okay, so this is the binary, this is the line where you think gender is. And I I made a line, and then I put another dot all the way up on the right. (laughs) It's like, this is where I am, not even in here. So that's why when I saw your post where you're talking about, like, the, the all the different constellations and stars that are gender across this huge field and it was like this makes so much more sense to me
0: <laughs> yeah i i haven't found a good way because a lot of a lot of people need that really basic like line right. to understand but for me it's so much it's it's such a bigger uh world out there than just the line
1: Right, and then for me, uh, the biggest struggle with talking about what being two-spirit has been, whether it's been the different groups I've run, the different talks I've been at, it's always been this issue of when you say two, people hear binary and they go, so male and female. I'm like, this is a long conversation. I don't know if you're prepared to get into with me because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> that's a commitment. We're going to be here for a while. So but yeah, to get back to your zine. um, So what sort of folks are you looking for, for work from, I assume two spirit people, but anything more specific than that?
0: Um, I, you know, I've, I've mostly been just approaching people who I know are, um, who produce art and who write um, and even like community members who I am not sure if they have like like people who haven't necessarily been published or anything but um, you know I are I, right now our sort of list of people who are interested in contributing that I've talked to ranges from people who have like a book published and you know CBC has done articles on them to to people who are just like, um, you know, they live on, you know, one of the reses in Minnesota that I frequently go to and um, that I do language stuff um, in that area. And they happen to be Anishinaabe and Two-Spirit. And I just was like, hey, would you be interested in writing or drawing or doing whatever sort of thing you feel comfortable with? So that's, I'm pretty, you know, open to anyone who, anyone who um, identifies with both being Anishinaabe and with being somewhere under the LGBTQ Two-Spirit umbrella. Okay.
1: Yeah, so it sounds like... um with the fact that it can be anything from drawing to writing poetry and all of that, you aren't super worried about it falling in line with what a university would normally publish, which I appreciate.
0: Yeah, I guess I should, I should elaborate a little bit on um, what the relationship, this, this sort of what I've been calling a zine-thology because I can't decide if it should be a zine or an anthology. Right. But um what the relationship is to my actual like dissertation so I basically receive a certain amount of research money from the university and I originally was going to use that research money to do interviews with Anishinaabe two-spirit people um because my overall dissertation is about Anishinaabe two-spirit uh history and memory and and relationships um but the more I thought about it the more I felt kind of like I was like who is this going to benefit you know who who does it really benefit if how does it benefit these people that I would talk to if you know their interviews get written down somewhere and then I like take little chunks of it and put it in a dissertation I just didn't feel like it was really benefiting the community that much Right. And so, um, what I decided to do instead was to use that research money to pay contributors and fund the publishing of this zine um, so that these, you know, the people who contribute will get A, a financial benefit, and two, or sorry, B. <laughs> um, it's fine. B, We're being mixed yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. That's all right. <laughs> a, a two, you know, whatever. Anyways. Um, they will also get the benefit of um, having something that they can show other people and say like, hey, I published this and it's like this thing I created. Um, And then also the community in more broadly has this additional sort of um, object of artwork and writing that showcases how awesome Anishinaabe two-spirit people are. And I think that's like all really important and much, much more what I want to be doing than just chopping up some interviews with people that nobody's going to see.
1: Right. And I really love that uh, you went that direction with it because instead of it being this um, basically a product that different two-spirit people are selling to a university, which whether you're doing sensitivity reading or writing through a university, a lot of times it's them using your experience for their product, which is selling a university, it turns into this own voices scenario where you actually get to talk about what you care about and what it means to you to live in this way. And I think it's way more powerful than just, you know, just being another name in a dissertation.
0: Yeah, for sure.
1: All right. So um and what university was it again that this is being published through, by the way?
0: Well, um, the publication I is still something that is being decided. So, um, my dissertation will be through the University of Minnesota Twin Cities, but um, the University of Minnesota Press is one place that I'm looking at um, having the zine published through. If I'm going to basically want what I want to do is once we get this all put together, to have a conversation with everyone who's contributing um, about. If they want to um have it published through a university, or if they'd rather it be independent. And so um really, that's going to be something that will be hashed out as we as we get closer to um, completion. Okay. totally makes sense to me. Yeah, but the the University of Minnesota does have this really cool uh, publication line that's like online. They do both it's like a both online and off like print publishing. Um, it's called the Manifest series, I believe, or Manifold, something like that. Um, I should have looked that up, but it's fine. <laughs> uh, um, it's so they they are really like trying to make these like open access resources. So I think that that would be a really great um possibility if that's what contributors decide that they want to do.
1: Right, I think that's a definitely a good option. I'll probably get a link from you later and put in the description to this, but. But yeah, how do you? And going a little bit off that topic, but how do you feel about the way that um, universities and a lot of other educational resources they've started putting a lot of things online? But for a lot of folks, like adding reservations, more so in Canada, but across the United States too, having internet access isn't always a thing that exists. Not for all families, at least. So, what would you want to do as far as getting this sort of work to those communities?
0: Yeah, that's definitely something that I have thought about quite a bit. Um, uh, I guess to side, go at a, a sideways, I guess a little bit. Another part of my dissertation um, focused on collecting words uh, in Moin that refer to two-spirit people. And um, so in addition to having this chapter of my dissertation, I have been thinking about the best way to like share these words with community members. And um so I've been I haven't I haven't quite figured it out yet, but along with like this scene, I definitely want to have a paper version of it and um, I I don't know yet how the distribution will work, but right now, you know I have such a wide network of friends who are working in different communities throughout the US and Canada and Anishinabe Waki that um, I you know would just, see distributing it to them and having them um, reach out to community libraries um, tribal libraries um, and any other resources that they know of that can really like get paper copies also out into the community because you like yeah I totally agree that as much as I have also been really enjoying a lot of this internet access through Um, the COVID-19 sort of special open access stuff, uh, it's definitely not available. It's not accessible to everyone.
1: Yeah, it makes me sort of wonder how, um, basically how Two-Spirit Life looks for folks that are maybe, you know, living more out in the bush or how all that works out because a lot of the concepts that I think about, I mean, they may have been somewhere deep, deep in the closet in the back of my head. <laughs> I don't think I would have come nearly as far as if I didn't have resources like a lot of the work that you've written and like talking about, like, oh, this is the Anishinaabe word for when your voice changes and think about that in regards to testosterone and all that kind of thing. So, But yeah, I'm sure there, we'll have other long conversations <laughs> about those kinds of things. So I'm not super worried about that. but. But um, what is the best way um, for us to actually support um, the zine that you're doing or even just, like, directly supporting you and the communities you're working with?
0: That's a really good question that I have not given a great deal of thought. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's all right. I, um, I I would say... Um, if you want to, you know, stay updated on what the status of that is, um, you can follow me on Twitter, which, um, my Twitter handle is my Anishinaabe name. So, um, we can put that in a link because I, it, I would have to spell it and it's very long. Um, but it's, um, that, so yeah, you could follow me on Twitter, um, yeah I don't know i don't I don't have any fundraising or anything right now, but uh, keep your eyes open if I end up doing something like that for like getting a print copy out in the world. Um there's a possibility of that too. so
1: I know you do have a couple of different pieces that are I want to say available to purchase on your website of some Ashinaabe poetry you did. Is that still the case?
0: Oh, yeah, that's right. Um... <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah. stuff that you did. <laughs> Yes. Um I so well I first I have one thing that I should plug is I have um my first ever uh piece of fiction will be published in the book Love After the End, which is coming out this fall or winter. Oh exciting. Um and uh yeah that's edited by Joshua Whitehead. Um and it's just it's a collection of two spirit writers. Um talking like just like writing sci-fi and fantasy kind of stories which is really cool. But um in addition to that I also have on um, on my website which is also my Anishinaabe name um a Benaseque. Uh I have I published a uh, short chapbook of poetry entirely in Anishinaabemowin with a couple of poems in Michif which is also one of my ancestral languages. Um so that's available for download um, through my website. And, and it's called, it's called Anoigo. <laughs> I'll
1: be linking to all of this. So don't worry about it. You don't have to go search for it because I I get terrified enough trying to search in Ashinaabe. It's always wrong. But um, so I could be wrong, but uh, were you still doing a podcast with the group that publishes Red Man
0: Laughing or no? um it's a little bit up in the air right now okay I'm sure everything's up yeah yeah, yeah. I was um I was really uh grateful to receive I was um accepted as part of their uh their uh podcast incubator um but I am still sort of working out the details about what that will look like so I'll keep you updated
1: to be determined it's okay all right and this is just uh how i end these and so i'm just going to ask the same question to you that uh even though it's the first one you guys didn't know this is what i'm going to do but it is what i'm doing now uh what does gender euphoria look or feel like to you either now or in the future
0: so i really appreciate this question because i actually um just had like this uh sort of breakthrough moment with uh, one of my chapters of my dissertation recently where I realized the thing that I was trying to talk about was not about, like, it's so. one of my chapters is about um, three historical figures from the 19th century uh, who were Ojibwe and Potawatomi, um, two-spirit people. And I realized I wasn't trying to talk about loss of identity. I was trying to talk about their expressions of gender euphoria. Mm. And so... um, I am, you know, thinking a lot about what it means to see gender euphoria in the archive that doesn't really want to uh, recognize it. So to me, I think gender euphoria is is for me a, a lot about making choices, uh, being able to make choices um, about my gender and your like, speaking generally, being able to make choices about gender expression, presentation, sexuality, um, even when it's not in a condition, when you're not in a context that you maybe created yourself. So as indigenous two-spirit people, um, we're in a society that puts a lot of constraints on us. Um, And so we didn't necessarily create all of those constraints, but in spite of whatever is being done, we still have some ability to express ourselves. And to me, finding the joy in that expression is what gender euphoria is all about.
1: I think that's really beautiful and obviously speaks to me. It doesn't surprise me that it does. <laughs> yes, all of your writing, I've always been like, oh, this is it. This is really exactly how I feel. But it really reminds me of um, this breakthrough I had during a time when I was actually living just into St. Marie a little bit before I moved from there. Uh, I had basically had this sort of like, you know, transphobic event happen. And for some reason, the phrase that stuck in my mind was taking the gender binary and cutting it into ribbons to make ribbon skirts, shirts, and dresses with, and I was just like, Wow, that means something! I better do something with that at some point. But,
0: but anyway, that's amazing. I love I know, it. I know, I
1: know, right? Like, it's one of those moments, I think probably go through the same thing. It's like, This is too smart that it came from my brain. This is some ancestor. <laughs> <laughs> like, I just have a yeah. feeling constantly lately, so anyway. Uh, but of course, I want to thank you for being on here and agreeing to, you know, talk to me about gender for 20 minutes, but, and did you have... thank you
0: so much for, thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be the first interview for your podcast.
1: I'm so thankful. <laughs> Was there anything else you want to say before we cut this?
0: Nope. I uh, guess just miigwech, which Thanks everybody for listening.
1: Um, miigwech. And I will see all of you next time. I'm up here.